Well, folks, <clears throat> welcome. Good to see you. Welcome those who are online. You know, we, uh, we gather on Sundays and do what we do because we believe in a story that is so real, that has not only been told week after week for 2,000 years, but there are still billions of people who believe this story is true. And more are grabbing hold of it every single day by the millions. We believe that this story has the power to transform lives. And it's the story of the man named Jesus of Nazareth, who it turns out was so much more than a man. But in fact, God with skin on. And God came on a rescue mission to bring hope into the darkness that we had made of His world. And His love was so strong that when we feared His revolutionary message of love and had Him killed, His death actually became the act of love that won our forgiveness. And that man did something no one else had done. He rose from the dead on the third day with an incorruptible body, defeating death and the grave. And he started an unstoppable movement that is still changing the world today. And if you are exploring the Christian faith, then this series that we're in right now is especially for you. It's for everybody, but it's especially for you. Last week in our first message in this series, we said that one of the eyewitnesses of this story, of this thing that happened 2,000 years ago, the Apostle John wrote his account of all of this in the Gospel of John. And in this gospel, John describes Jesus using the name of Yahweh, the name of Yahweh, the name of God. The, the word Yahweh means I am, and it's the name that God gave himself in Exodus chapter 3. And Jesus, this Jesus, uses this name of Yahweh, I am, a number of times. And seven of those times, he used it to describe how unique ways in which he is the Yahweh. He is the I Am. And then John also describes seven miraculous things, signs, he calls them, that point to the deity, the, the Godhead of Jesus. That he is who he claimed to be. In fact, John says at the end of his gospel, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. 
which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe. It's John's reason for writing what he wrote. That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Jesus, um, last week we talked about Him saying that He was the true vine. And as the proof of that, we looked at Jesus changing water into wine, His first miracle. Changed one substance into another substance at the atomic level. Amazing. Today we're going to talk about I am the light of the world. We're going to drop into a story in John chapter 9. If you have Bibles or Bible apps with you, in John chapter 9, we're going to drop into a story of Jesus healing a man who was born blind. Now, we're going to read a lot of Scripture this morning because the story takes a whole chapter of John. Um, So I'm going to read fast if you can listen fast. Are you good? All right. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva. Everybody say, mmm. And put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word, Siloam, means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that it was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Now then they, how then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Then they brought to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. 
They still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple and we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that's remarkable. You know where he comes, you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, he listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this, and they asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Wow. So this story that John tells of this sign is, is significant and powerful on, on a number of levels. And uh, we're just going to touch down on a couple of them today. But uh, one of them is that we see exposed here in this story some significant misunderstandings of who God is and how the universe works. The disciples and the Pharisees, Jesus' disciples and the Pharisees, two groups of people who should have known something about God, both believed that illness or disabilities are a curse from God from sins that you or your parents committed. But Jesus shows us God is not like that. 
He is not the author of evil or illness or pain in your life. And He does not put evil on people. And also the universe doesn't work like that. If you have something sad or tragic happen, it is not necessarily connected to anything that you have done. Now, of course, sometimes it does. If you rob a bank and you go to jail, you're not being cursed by the universe. You're getting what you deserved, right? You're reaping what you sowed. But also, sometimes bad things just happen because people are selfish and greedy and because the universe has been poisoned by sin and rebellion at the molecular and cellular level. That's why the Bible says that when Jesus returns, He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. It has to be remade because it's been spoiled and poisoned at the very molecular and cellular level. And that's why, um, so, so if you get sick, it's because there are viruses mutating around you and some of them got on you, right? It just happened. And if you get mugged, it's because somebody was greedy and cared more for their next score than for your life. That's not God's retribution, it's people's sin. And if you were born blind, then there are physical reasons for that which don't require a spiritual explanation. It just happened. But Jesus says that in all of these cases, the spiritual implication is that these things are prime opportunities for the works of God to be displayed. God is not the author of your pain. He's the answer for it. Yeah, that deserves a hallelujah. Amen? The second significant thing about this story is the comparison that's woven through the story between physical blindness and sight and spiritual darkness and light. This man had been born, had, had been blind from birth. Sorry, I should have put this up. Um, this man had been blind from birth. <clears throat> His parents later have to testify to this um, to, to prove that it was actually the case. We don't know exactly how old he was when Jesus met him, but we know he was an adult, right? Because his parents say, he's an adult, ask him. He's of age, ask him. So this man has lived his entire life in literal darkness. 
And if you're a sighted person like most of us, then we can't imagine never having seen the things that people would describe to us. It's unimaginable to to live your whole life in darkness unless um, unless you experienced it. Never having experienced the wonder and texture of color. This man spent his entire life begging, which was the only option and the only career open to a person with disabilities in that culture. People knew him as the man who used to sit and beg. Interesting that we don't even know his name. He's just the man that used to sit and beg. Ever feel like nobody sees you? They don't really know who you are. Oh, they know what role you play, what you're supposed to do. This man wasn't really seen until Jesus saw him. Until Jesus said, I have something more for you. Healing him of blindness meant he could learn a trade. He could meet a woman. He could have a family. He could travel if he wished. Jesus changed his life forever. The man himself had trouble grasping the enormity of this change that had come on his life. He's being interrogated by the the Pharisees, peppered with questions. They're trying to desperately to discredit Jesus. And they say, give glory to God because we know this man is a sinner. The man says, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but one thing I know. I was blind, and now I see. Right? Wow. And the Pharisees claim not to be in the dark spiritually. And yet they refuse to see what is right in front of them. They've been presented with irrefutable truth. That a miracle has taken place, but they're still doing everything they can to close their eyes to it. Jesus says, For judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. What Jesus means by this is this. You must make a choice to turn toward Him or away from Him. But there is a choice to be made. This is the decision that will change everything. The Pharisees claimed to be spiritual teachers and leaders, but they willingly turned away from the light and became spiritually blind. But this poor social castaway who had nothing in this world 
turned towards Jesus and not only received his physical sight, but came to believe in the Son of Man, declared, I believe, and worshipped him. Wow. We said last week that That, um, that each of these statements of Jesus beg a question that the world is asking. I believe that today's question is, what is the hope in this dark world? As we look at the bleakness of pandemics and government lockdowns and escalating war and economic crises, and we could go on and on. The world is a pretty dark place at times, isn't it? And I think the world is asking, what is the hope in this dark world? And Jesus' answer is, I am. I am. I am the light of of the world. I am. Jesus being the light is one of the major themes of John's gospel. Not only do we see Jesus making this claim right here in our story, right? He says to his disciples, while, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world says it right there in the story, but it's not even the only time that Jesus makes this claim in the Gospels or that John makes this claim about him. I'm going to go back to the beginning of John's Gospel for a moment. John 1, verses 1 to 10. In the beginning was the Word. The Word of God, the Logos of God, the creative power of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through the Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, speaking of John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to Everyone, say everyone, everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. John is starting out his whole gospel by saying that the world is a dark place, but the Creator entered into the darkness to bring light by being that light in the person of Jesus Christ. 
John says Jesus came not just to be the light for those who would follow him, but for all mankind. Wow. He said the reason for that light coming is that all might believe, but even if they don't, he gives light to everyone. Folks, if there's light in this world at all, it's Jesus. Whether people believe in him or not, they now have clarity on what God is like and greater clarity on what good and love look like. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity like I believe that the sun has risen. Not because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Jesus doesn't just bring light and understanding about himself, but about everything. Jesus also makes this claim of being the light in John 8, verse 12. This is really cool. So in in John chapter 7, the Feast of Tabernacles, it's a week-long Thanksgiving party, right? The the harvest has been brought in, and, and they just, they set up camp. Everybody in the nation camped out and just had a week-long party celebrating the harvest and celebrating God in worship. The Feast of Tabernacles had just taken place in John chapter 7. And every every evening, here's here's one of the aspects of this week-long party, this week-long worship festival. Um, Every evening during the Feast of Tabernacles, there was a ceremony called the Illumination of the Temple. There were four huge pillars in the temple courts. And they would build fires on top of these pillars with oil and light these as the sun went down. And And eyewitness accounts tell us that these fires in the temple courts were so bright that the entire city of Jerusalem was lit up all night. And people would literally stay up all night dancing and singing and worshiping all night long and then sleep in the morning. And then do it again the next night. And these fires in the temple courts were meant to symbolize the, the fire, the, the pillar of fire by night that led the people of Israel through the desert centuries before, and the, the fire of God that came down when Solomon dedicated the temple and, and uh, consumed the, the, the offering on the, on, the, on the altar. It was meant to symbolize the the Shekinah glory fire of God. And Jesus says at the end of the festival, I'm that light. 
Isn't that powerful? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, he says, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again in John 12, verse 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So why do these claims matter? Why do these claims matter? If there is a light of life, if there is something that's meant to light our path and our world to help us make sense of the craziness around us, if there is a light of life, wouldn't you want to have that? Right? Wouldn't you want that to help you navigate the darkness and confusion of this world? We see light in the first chapter of the Bible and the last chapter of the Bible, and we see light all the way through. Light was the first thing that God created to bring hope and order into the chaos of the world. Let there be light. In the first chapter of Genesis. And in the end of Revelation, it says that in the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, where God will dwell with humanity, that there will be no need for the sun because God himself will be the light. Wow. Folks, we are not meant to live in darkness and confusion. Jesus has come to be light for us. We're almost done, but I, I think there are three things that I think Jesus as the light came to illuminate for us. He came to illuminate God. Came to illuminate God. Well, pastor, there's no darkness in God. Why would he need to illuminate God? No, but there's darkness in our perception of God. The God of this age has darkened the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of God in the, the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. There is darkness in our eyes. And the passage there in after what I just quoted in 2 Corinthians 4 says. Let, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
Jesus lights our hearts so we can see God. Illuminates our perception of God. The Pharisees, for all of their studying, their entire lives were spent studying the Scriptures. Everything they did, study the Scriptures. And Jesus says to them in John 5, says you study the Scriptures because you think that in them you will find life, but you refuse to come to me, the author of life. Right? For all of their studying, they missed the light that was right in front of them. Folks, we need Jesus. Because even with the best of intentions, churches, religious groups can have twisted understandings of who God is. Don't look at don't look at me. Don't look at you know, don't look at each other to try and figure out who God is. We need to look at Jesus. Even as we as we try to understand who God is as we read the pages of this book. I know there are some there's some hard you ever find there's some hard passages in here to understand What's God really like anyways? Be sure to put all of your understanding of who God is through the filter of who Jesus is. Because Jesus is perfect theology. You want to know what God is like? He's like Jesus. That's why Jesus came, to show us what God is like. If anything else in here is confuses you about who God is, get your eyes on Jesus. Not because it's contradictory or whatever, but because sometimes we just don't understand the, 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 the complexities of what's being said. But get our eyes on Jesus. Secondly, Um, Jesus is the light that illumines our own hearts so that we know what we're really like. You ever get in a situation and uh, somebody says something, somebody does something and some nasty words come out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? Right? Right? You just blow your top or you whatever or something gossipy comes out or just something that shouldn't come out of your mouth comes out and you're like, where did that, where did it come from? It came from your heart. Like, oh, that wasn't me. No, no, actually it was you. Actually it was. It's the part of you that you don't see, but Jesus came to show you. Right? Psalm 90 verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. 
God sees your heart and my heart. And he invites us. He doesn't, he doesn't set that before him and then say, you scum, you slime bag. He says, come to me because I'm the remedy for what's in there. And thirdly, Jesus is the light that illumines our path. It is, it is tough on days to find our path in this world. You ever find that? It's hard sometimes to know how to make our way through the, the murkiness and the confusion in this world. Proverbs 8, 4 verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter until the full light of day. Jesus wants to light your path. Psalm 119, verse 105, I think it is. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Who is the word? Jesus. I mean, he's, he's, he's displayed in this book. So it's also talking about this book, but it's primarily, he's the word that that is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Folks, if you, as we've said, um, I know that all of us are receiving from this series and, and there's some good meat here for all of us this morning. But if you are online or if you're here this morning and you are, you are exploring the, the Christian faith, exploring who Jesus is, then this is especially for you. And there's an invitation from the heart of God that will go out to you this morning. that would say there is, there is hope in the darkness. There is light. And that light is Jesus. We can't just, can't just glance at Him and, oh, and then go do our own thing. The light doesn't work that way. You can't turn on the light and then leave it in the closet and then go outside and try and find your keys in the dark or whatever, right? Like you actually have to, you have to live by the light to take it with you. So I just, I want to pray uh, with you and for you if you're wanting to grab hold of that light today. I encourage you to pray along with me something like this in your heart. God, I know that, that I, uh, in my life, 
I um, often find myself in darkness. I often find myself in times of confusion and, and, and murkiness. I know that I've tried to do things my own way and I've tried to make my own path, but I realize now that, that I need you. I need your light and your wisdom and your strength and your help. I need you to light my understanding of God, my understanding of my own heart and my understanding of the path that you've made for me in this world. So I ask you, Jesus, to come and be the light in my life. That I can walk in your light and live by your light and know what you've called me to do, what, you've, what you have for me to do in this world, who you, who you want me to be. I ask you to even as you expose the, the, the dark things in my heart, that you would come and forgive me. You would make me clean and that you would lead me on a path that gets ever brighter. In Jesus' name I ask.